Hey everyone, welcome back to Jezebel and Friends. Today is my favorite episode we've done yet. It's our interview with Kate Wilkinson, which we did back in August, but it's still super, super relevant. We covered a lot of interesting topics like Kairos, homophobia, confession, toxic masculinity, sexual shame, and sexual repression. And of course, there are going to be mentions of abuse. There's no way to talk about Fenwick without addressing that. So this is your trigger warning, but the episode is well worth your time. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Jezebel and Friends. We're so excited today because we have our very first guest on the show. Hi, everybody. Uh, My name is Kate Wilkinson. I know of you both from also being a survivor of Catholic school. Um, I, a little bit different, I went to CCD for like the first five years of my life. I was in public school until fifth grade, but I went to CCD on the weekends, if you're familiar. Everyone knows CCD. Um, And then I went to Catholic grammar school, Catholic high school, and Helen and I had a brief overlap in high school. Um, But I'm, I'm from Chicago. I currently live in L.A., and yeah, I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Woo! First ever <laughs> guest. <laughs> yeah, Kate mentioned that we know each other from Fenwick. Kate was one year younger than me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I graduated in 2015. Nice. And we grew up in the same general area, too. And we the reason Kate's here is because she related to things I was saying online about you know, repressed sexuality in the Catholic Church. And we started talking about how insane our high school experience was at Fenwick. It was such a conservative Catholic school that <laughs> really damaged us. Yeah, a true, a true boys club, if you will. So I transferred to Fenwick as a junior. I went to an all-girls Catholic school with Ailish prior to that. Um And so I honestly got, like, the worst of both worlds. (laughs) Yeah, you saw a lot of, a lot of things. A lot of different sides. Yeah, can I also say, I have a family friend who went to Trinity, and she was a year younger than me. And I went to her high school graduation, and I was so moved and emotional because it, like, truly felt like an actual supportive environment, which I didn't go there, so I have no other context about it, but... It was like, because I went to community college and Fenwick didn't mention that in graduation. They said I was undecided. What? They like literally listed me as undecided because they did that for everyone that went to community college. That's so weird. And at Trinity, they, yeah, it was horrible. And my friend's mom was in the mother's club and she was like, I am saying something about this. This is horrible. Like they can't do this. But when I went to Trinity, they listed off people that went to trade schools, that went to community college. And I just was like, oh, this this is like what it should have felt like. But I digress. It felt more supportive. <laughs> and I was like, maybe I should have gone here and not had as much trauma. No, I you would have had the trauma would have <laughs> probably looked a little different. Yes. Um, and yeah. like because it was all girls, you know, there's not as much toxic masculinity which is going to make it a better environment in some regards but because it's a catholic all-girls school 
it's still like hates yeah. women. So, yes. <laughs> um, and they definitely did a few things right. I mean, e- even at Fenwick, you could probably find like some silver linings. Like I had a few teachers at Fenwick who were really kind and they didn't seem like fundamentalists, like (laughs) some people. Um, So yeah, Trinity's kind of the same way. Um, Since we've already been talking about Fenwick, how was your experience there overall? I feel like it was, it's like a, this like long process of still processing my experience there. Like I feel like even now into my 20s, I am so shocked by it, especially now that I live in LA because almost no one that I know here grew up Catholic, which is so interesting because being from Chicago, it feels like everyone is Catholic. (laughs) Like everyone went to Catholic school, everyone went to Catholic high school, everybody gets it. I have one friend here who actually went to Resurrection and she is also gay and like also has an interesting relationship with Catholic school. But I feel like at the time that I was there, it felt normal despite all of the qualms I had with it and now I'm like oh this was all so fucked up and horrible oh can I swear yes yes. (laughs) Um, we'd prefer it (laughs) yeah it was like just so fucked up and horrible but I I remember like my senior year kind of having like my last two years I feel like I had like a reckoning where I was like oh everybody here hates women. It's like a total boys club. I feel like I had a lot more older teachers and male teachers and a lot more teachers that had been there for, you know, 50 years or whatever, however long they've all been teaching there. And I remember, it's funny now when people ask me what I was like in high school, I was like, oh, I was a huge bitch because I was so like miserable. And I feel like I had such a guard up because... It's like women were literally just so disrespected there. Like my brother makes the joke, like he's like, people send their daughters to Fenwick to become wives. Like everybody bakes cookies for their, for birthdays. And, you know, it's all about looking pretty and, you know, you wear the tight turtleneck and you straighten your hair on Fridays and like. On Fridays, that was the thing. Yes. Or when you give a speech. Wow. I didn't go to Fenwick and I obviously have heard a lot about it through Helen and other people that we're friends with. So I'm almost going to be kind of like an observer and listener on this episode. I'm going to be asking questions and I'm probably going to be like pretty shocked by some things. Wildly different experiences. Yeah. (laughs) There were obviously some really fun and great things. I was on the swim team for a long time, like all of high school. And I always loved being on the swim team. I loved my friends. I loved the coaches. Like that was a very non-male driven environment. Even like with the water polo program, the girls team was always so much better than the boys. So I feel like it was, that was always a really great environment. But I, I do feel like for the most part, I, I kind of came to the conclusion while being there that it was such a boys club and I feel like I I just I never understood why I had so much anger and like just had such a wall up when I was there I think a lot of it was that I was really deeply closeted for a long time too but I think I just was so angry like I was like I hate these men and I hate that (laughs) this is such a boys club but it was it it, it's still something that I feel like I process every day like I'll, I'll say something about Like I I was just telling my girlfriend about how when you would give speeches, you would get a higher grade if you wore a turtleneck instead of a button up shirt. And that was like, everyone was like, oh, you have to wear a turtleneck when you give a speech. 
and she was flabbergasted and I was like oh I forgot that's not normal <laughs> like I forgot all these things are are shocking to people um and like kairos is like required there kairos is a an extreme catholic retreat um that now when I tell people about they're like what the fuck were you in a cult or something like people don't <laughs> I still don't fully understand Kairos. My sister went to Fenwick and when she told me about it, because like obviously there are so many people who are like obsessed with Kairos that if you've never been on it, you assume it's going to be like this groundbreaking experience. And then if it's not that for you, you feel a little like weird. And she came back from it and she was like, that was odd. Like that was not great. (laughs) But then there are people who like want to make it their whole personality. Kai high is what they say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> oh my god, you guys, I have a Facebook photo or Instagram post that I posted after Kairos saying that I was Kai high. No, I was so Kai high. That's <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. But the thing is, like, I didn't actually like it. Like it didn't feel right at all. But since everybody around me was, like, loving it, then I just wanted to join in on that. Um, Okay, but before we get to Kairos, I feel like we should clarify something. So the reason Kate's saying that there was this unspoken, like, rule that girls would wear turtlenecks to give speeches, it's because with our uniform dress code, the turtleneck was technically, like, the sexiest thing you could wear because, like, it shows your boobs, basically. Whereas, like, the button-down is more, like, loose so there was a rumor that the notorious speech teacher there who was like totally abusive like verbally abusive if he has girls thinking that they should be wearing tighter shirts to get a better grade then i'm gonna venture to say that's sexually abusive he was kind of like a john quinn character where he just got away with his bad behavior out in the open people would impersonate him in the Bonoa talent show and he'd be saying I mean his character in the talent show the student playing him would say and do outrageous and offensive things and all the parents are there just laughing along like oh he's such a character um yeah well and he's the the type he was like the teacher that he's one of there were maybe like five or six teachers there that Teaching at Fenwick was, like, their first job out of college. So they had been there since they were 22 years old when it was a a boys club, when it was all boys until 1992. So that's, like, more – I'm sure Trinity has a lot of teachers like that, too. But he was, like, one of those. Yes, yes. And just his behavior – like, if he was in a Chicago public school, he would probably have – charges pressed against him like just a guy who's totally unhinged I actually this is something that came up because like I was talking to my friends at work about us talking about Catholic school what credentials truly like do you need like not you don't need the same ones that you need for a public school college degree that's it all you need is a college degree and like If you're Catholic, if you're, like, a practicing Catholic, that's, like, (laughs) also part of it. Yeah. There was – I had a math teacher when I was there, and he was super young, and he basically was unhappy at his corporate job and was an alum and asked to come and teach. Asked. But he had – He's like, can I work here? But it it was like he (laughs) – 
Like, I, I don't think he had, I don't even know if he had a teaching certificate. I mean, maybe they make you get one, but I'm pretty sure you just need a college degree and you have to like be Catholic. Yeah, I know that for a fact. I know people who are teachers in Catholic school who don't have teaching degrees. No, it's just like thousands of dollars to like be taught by people that aren't qualified. <laughs> Fedwick is literally like f- was my senior year. I think it was like fourteen or fifteen thousand dollars a year. Yeah, that's, so <laughs> that's wild. It's insane. It's so stupid. It's like you're you're actually just paying for abuse, like and <laughs> for the child's spirit to be like completely broken. Yes, possibly beyond repair. Because I see a lot of people who have come out of there that is like they are just in it. Like they're they're brainwashed. They're in the cult, and I don't see them getting out. Um, So with the the pervy speech teacher, I remember boys my age, my classmates, they would be like, "Oh, so and so is wearing a tight." turtleneck every time they have to give a speech that's so slutty like slut shaming the girl the child the victim who's like being groomed by this idea that you need to wear like a sexy sexier top for an old man like it's really scary yeah well and in that class it was very so basically for context Everyone has to take this class with this teacher. You take one semester of it and you have to take it to graduate. Um, It's a mandatory class for everybody. He's the only one that teaches it. And so, and everyone takes it the same year. Actually, I don't know if you take, did you have to take it when you transferred, Helen? I didn't because I'd already taken speech, luckily. Okay. Okay. So everyone takes it their sophomore year and... It's so competitive. Like, he pits people against each other. Like, in a way that I think at the time... In high school, you are, like, you're, like, juiced up. You're, like... Competition is fun. That's why people love playing sports in high school. Like, you're just... I feel like it's part of being a teenager. But I I don't know how healthy it is for adults to be encouraging it that strongly. And he would very much be like, oh this girl in this class did such a good job today like to other like it was like people would be like oh I heard you did well on your speech today and it was like oh wait what he's talking about me in other classes I also remember he talked about me to another teacher once and that like got back to me like they admitted that they were talking about me like in the teacher's lounge during their lunch which is so weird it's like it just seems so unnecessary and also like to be at an age where yes you're juiced up and competition is healthy but you're also so self-conscious like one day you'll be completely like confident and then in an hour you could flip the switch completely and like hate yourself so I don't it was horrible (laughs) and I feel like when I was there I was like this class was amazing because I did well in it but I, looking back, I'm like, but what about the people that didn't do well in it or that were just okay in it? Like, that, it's just, it's so unfair in so many ways. That whole class is, it's fucked. And it's so early on into high school. It's your sophomore year. That's like the worst year. Kate, did you know you were gay in high school? No. I truly was so 
repressed <laughs> until like call like I never explored like anything sexually in high school and like most of college because I just was so I found it to just be so shameful like watching porn do like it was so it felt so taboo and I feel like I remember in high school like boys always talking about masturbating and like you know they would all give it up for Lent or whatever because they were like weirdos (laughs) it's like thanks for volunteering nobody asked (laughs) but I remember it's like it was almost like not even like people were like yo girls don't do that at all and like my friends never talked about it and I feel like because in college so many of my friends were still from high school or went to Catholic colleges and were still in that community. Like nobody talked about it. And so I just was like, well, no one else is doing this. I shouldn't. Like I felt so much shame. And so I basically like didn't explore anything sexually until I was like 21. And then I was like, oh, I'm actually gay. Like I don't like men at all. And it was like this insane year of my life where it felt like every day was like unraveling of a new realization of being like oh I always had a crush on this person like it was just it was years worth of self-discovery like crammed into six months because I just was so repressed for so long it was horrible (laughs) was that exciting to like have those realizations or did it feel like overwhelming It was both. I think a lot of it was really good for the most part. Like, I feel like I came into my own after that. And I, like, ever since have felt so much more confident. Like, I don't, I think of my, like, being gay is such a unique experience because it really, me and my girlfriend have been talking about this a lot. Like, it really separates you from any other identity. Like, before, like, I've always been fat and I feel like that was always a big part of sexuality this has like nothing to do with Catholicism but anyways (laughs) I'll digress but um like I I feel like it separates any other anxiety like I feel even or any other identity not anxiety um like I feel even separated from like womanhood almost like I feel like being gay is a different experience than even just being a straight woman like I just feel like even after seeing Barbie, like, I took away such different things than I did from my straight friends. Like, they had such a different relationship with seeing that movie than I did. Like, I feel more in tune with my body because I don't feel like being fat is my identity anymore. Like, I just, it clicked everything into place and, like, really reset. But I also, I think, again, like, I think during that time period, I felt a lot of anger. But it also in the end like helped me release so much like I think I just had such a wall up from years of being around toxic men and just feeling like everything finally made sense I don't have to be attached to these people anymore I don't need any of their validation any of their critiques like it all means nothing to me and I can release all of that anger that I've been holding on to for so long So it was good, but it was a very overwhelming couple of months. Like, I feel like it was all I would do all day is, like, sit and 
think with my like sit with my own thoughts all day about it now I feel great (laughs) yeah that's amazing um and it's it's really interesting because it's like I've had such a similar yet different experience like with coming to terms like with my sexuality because of the same reasons like Mm -hmm. because of the experience of catholic school and in some ways my experience is almost like opposite of your when you said earlier that people say that people send their kids to fenwick to like train wives i that hit me so hard because that kind of is how I turned out. And those are the parts of myself that I like resent the most. Cause it's like, I don't want to be doing this, but I don't know any other way. And like, that's been like the re- reason for relationships failing. Cause I start falling into these traditional gender roles and then just get hit by like how unfair it feels. But honestly, like by you not being like sexually active in high school with your classmates, you really dodged a bullet <laughs> because yeah. <laughs> and like when you said earlier how boys would say that they were giving up masturbating for Lent at Fenwick. I remember they would say to me they'd be like I gave up masturbating for Lent. So like can you suck my dick? Like <laughs> ew. And the thing that sucks about that is like people did talk me into doing that. Like I didn't have any type of like agency or bodily autonomy. And the boys who I was hanging around at Fenwick were just so disrespectful to the girls. Mm -hmm. Did you experience that too with boys at Fenwick? I feel like I almost because I was always, and it's so crazy because looking back, I'm like, I thought I was, the fattest person to ever live in high school and it's like I was like a size 14 in high school like I was not you know it's like I was completely average but I always just felt so ugly and like so huge because everybody is just like so skinny there and it gave me like such bad body image issues there and I felt like because of that it was like yeah either boys that were my peers didn't give me the time of day or just saw me as a friend and I feel like that was at the time it's like when you're a teenager you're kind of like you you want to feel accepted and like you don't you want the validation and it was like I didn't want it but I almost needed it like it was like I didn't want validation from most of those boys but I almost like craved it in a way um but I don't know. I feel like I, I never experienced, luckily, I never experienced any of the, like, creepiness or even, ex- except in grammar school, this is crazy. I just, I, like, remember this sometimes that this guy in grammar school, he now is married and has two kids, which is so insane to me. You know how in middle school you always, like, date people for a day? Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, my God. The boyfriend for a day. <laughs> boyfriend for a day. So it was this guy, and I did not like him at all, but everybody was like, you have to say yes, you have to say yes, you know. It's, like, classic. They Everyone pressures each other into it to date for a day, and then you, like, don't even do anything. But I remember, I like, this guy asked me to be his girlfriend, and I was like, okay, and then, like, a day later, I was like, I don't, I don't want to be your girlfriend. Like, I don't like you. And I, I'm sure I let him down very gently. I was so scared. And he was so, like, verbally abusive to me, 
And this was all on, like, AIM chat, of course. Of course, yeah, of course. And it was, like, so scarring. Like, I remember just being so scared of him for so long. And this was in, like, seventh grade, so we still had to go to school together. He went to OPRF for high school, so I didn't see him again. But I, like, still to this day have him blocked on social media because I just was so, like, traumatized by it. And I feel like that like put a wall up for me in a lot of ways like I was so young I was like 13 and I feel like I like from that moment on had such a wall up and like I think middle school did a lot of damage too even before going to Catholic high school that I think that was just like when so much of my like protectiveness of myself started and I feel like I luckily saved myself from a lot more very scary young men. I had the same experience with every Catholic school classmate who I was romantically involved with in middle school and in high school. They would not take no for an answer. Anything I wanted to do sexually was never enough and they always wanted to go to the next level and it seriously like has traumatized me even to this day because it was just so excessive. Like I could not find a guy to just be respectful and just go as far as I wanted to. Um, and I, I tried a lot of guys and none of them were good. And I feel like that is directly because of the Catholic church. Like boys grow up seeing priests and women not being able to be priests and they get this sense of entitlement and they see women as less than, and it's really that simple. Like, yeah. And it, and, and I feel like it is so like the patriarchy is just so strong. And like the, the nuclear family element is so strong in the Catholic church. And I mean, maybe it's not the same everywhere else in the world that there's Catholics, but where we grew up it was like every boy had a stay-at-home mom and their dad had some job that made lots of money and they lived in a huge nice house they grew up everybody grew up in that and then it's like yeah of course they just keep living that forever and ever and ever and it's like actually it's actually so scary I remember my brother telling me when I was in high school my brother also went to Fenwick and I remember he said when I was in high school like I think when I was just angry and hating it and he was like, you know, you'll move on with your life, but everyone else won't. Like he was like, they're all going to start marrying each other. They're all going to have kids with each other and then their kids will grow up and they'll send them to Fenwick. It's so scary. But then for us to like sit on a Zoom like this and be talking about this, like he was completely right. We all can probably name a few people even like Right, like there are probably a few people coming to all of our yes. lives right now that that's all check like that's happening right now. Yeah, they just they see women as as less, and it's so interesting because like Mary is such a figure in the Catholic Church. I remember my girlfriend's mom. My girlfriend grew up super Christian in the South, and her mom is like enamored by Catholicism. And, like, thinks it's so beautiful. And I'm, like, uh, I don't know what you see in it. <laughs> but it's, like, because she, she's, like, well, they love Mary. And I'm, like, okay. But nobody loves women other than Mary. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, and Mary's a freaking virgin, so it's like yes. our whole religion is built around this obsession with a virgin woman that's so creepy and then god the father and like even calling priests father that's so creepy it's so weird (laughs) so kate did you when you were growing up did you really believe this stuff no oh no i remember i doubted catholicism almost my entire life like, Where did that come from? I think I just was like, this doesn't feel real. Like, I just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, a lot of it is that my parents both grew up Catholic. And, and I, I've always felt this way where, like, it's so interesting dating my girlfriend now because she is, she was, like, raised very much in, like, charismatic Christian churches, like, had you know two young youth pastors that led her so even though she's not religious now and she's gay like she feels connected to god and she's always like will you pray for me like that and it's very sweet but i'm just like i never felt that way because prayer was never like free it was never like i was like everything was so structured it never felt natural to me and i feel like that was how my parents were like i think my dad Honestly, I don't really know my dad's true thoughts on Catholicism. He goes to church every Sunday, but I'm like, do you actually believe any of this or do you feel like you have to go? And so I feel like we weren't like devout. Like we never, you know, I never like prayed a rosary at home. We never prayed at night. It was all school and CCD and things like that. And actually my brother got kicked out of CCD because (laughs) he's on the pod next (laughs) he literally this is so untrue my family has never owned a gun but they were talking about how all of animals were god's creations and my parents like hate squirrels and he goes in my family we shoot squirrels (laughs) that's what got him kicked out of ccd (laughs) which is so ironic because like the Catholic Church and, like, Catholic people, I feel like there's, like, not a degree of separation between, like, the NRA and, like, the Catholic community. Yeah. So, I just feel like I, I yeah, I always doubted. I remember in eighth grade, confirmation was not an option. Confirmation was not a choice at all. And so it's like, of course, I had to get confirmed. I went to Catholic school, had to do all my service hours and all that. And I remember sitting in a theology class and me and my friend kept being like, I don't know. I feel like this isn't adding up. And we were asking all these questions and the teacher got so frustrated with us. And she was like, you guys just don't understand. You're just not listening. And we were like, no, it's not adding up. Like, and it was not in a way of us trying to be brats. Like, it was truly like, okay, we're about to fucking devote ourselves to this religion for the rest of our lives. I'd like some real solid answers on what's going on. And it just never added up to me. And I just, I've, I've always like doubted Catholic. Like, I've always just like, I don't, I don't feel that any of it is real. I never I feel like. The issue there is that you guys were, like, critical thinking from a young age, which, like, is not really the standard in the Catholic community. Like, nobody's really thinking about what is on paper there. 
No. Like, it's... think about even, like, the virgin birth. Scientifically, not possible. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, they're so obsessed with it. They're obsessed. <laughs> well, and I, I wish I could remember what it was, but it was something about, like, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I was like, well, I don't really get how they're actually three separate entities when you're telling me that it's one. And it was... <laughs> They're just like, I was like, but but I was like, but why, like, why is Jesus that? And I was like, I like, why would Jesus come to earth and suffer? Like, it just makes no sense. And I'm like, I get it's like the Bible. It's like Christians read the Bible like everyone does. But with I feel like in other religions, there's so much like charisma around religion where you feel more connected to it and in catholicism it's like you're getting the same thing every time right (laughs) like god i i was just thinking about how boring mass is it's horrible would they they ever quiz you guys about like what happened in mass when like we would do this thing where like the teachers clearly knew we were not paying attention so they're like all right you guys are like fucking around we're gonna you're gonna have to answer three questions after mass and it's gonna be like a quiz i'd always fail yeah no they're it's it's so horrible i remember it took me actually like 15 years to memorize the one that's like it's the creed prayer i still don't know that. <laughs> i never have i also i never know what people are saying when they do like the cross on their forehead their mouth and their I don't heart either. i just make the same <laughs> motions because i'm like i mean monkey see monkey do like my mom got so mad at me my cousin got married in july and her wedding was at saint giles actually and my mom got mad at me for not going up for communion. My cousin just got married and I didn't go up for communion either. Like, my whole family didn't go. She was like, just go. You're, I was like, I mean, half the people in my row didn't go. And she was like, just go. I was like, I'm not. She's like, just go get blessed. I was like, girl, <laughs> I am not going up there. <laughs> I am blessed. Don't worry about me. <laughs> I'm staying seated. Yeah. I actually remember in high school, I think my senior year, I stopped saying that I would stand because before every class we would pray and in the morning we would do the pledge and we would pray. And I remember I would still stand because obviously I would get in trouble if I stayed seated, but I never said the prayer and I never said the pledge. I was like, fuck that. Yeah. You're like two things I don't believe in. Thank you. (laughs) God, yeah, the Pledge of Allegiance is a whole other thing. Like, <laughs> what is up with that? That's a different podcast. It's crazy. But we had to pray before every class. Every single class? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Like, every... Like, seven times a day. Yeah, and it would always be a Hail Mary and Our Father. Like, they would pick. Like, they'd be like, who, what, what prayer should we say today? What a waste of time. That is so <laughs> sad. And they would let people do, like, teachers would let people do intentions. Like, people would <laughs> like people would go on for, like, ten minutes. Would anybody ever try to be funny during the intentions? Oh, my God, yeah. People would be like, <laughs> my neighbor's dog threw up last night. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would, I, God, I hate this so much, but I would actually, like, 
do intentions and I would feel so proud of myself. <laughs> like, I would be like, I am such like a mature adult for like praying for this person, and, like <laughs> speaking out. <laughs> God. Um, well, it's so funny because as we speak, I literally have a framed photo from my baptism here that says Jesus loves Helen. <laughs> I have this, I don't even, this is like some family heirloom. It's nothing special, but it's like a little holy water thing and an angel. And apparently the velvet was like from my great grandma or something. Um, Cause I'm at my parents' house. Um, unfortunately, I've been here for a really long time. Why don't we talk a little bit about like confession? Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about this. Okay, wait. So I can start by saying that, um, Ailish, when you and I made the sacrament, our first reconciliation, this is a story I've never told you because as a child, I felt guilty for overhearing this. (gasps) Oh. So I remember afterwards, our dads were talking and your dad told my dad, that he heard what you confessed <gasps> to the priest. What was <laughs> it? He said that you said that um, your parents got you a gift and you didn't say thank you or something, which is so sad. But that was like also the, like a lie. There's right, no way yeah. that was true. I just like, they put you on the spot so much where it's like, you have to confess something legitimate. And I'm like, I don't know. And everyone's going to say I was mean to my sibling or something. And I'm like, well, they're never going to believe that. And I can't think of anything on the spot. So, like, I need to, like, come in with some real good material that's believable. (laughs) There's no way that was true. Yeah, I would have to make stuff up, too. Because the stuff that I actually did, like, just beating the shit out of my brothers or something, (laughs) I couldn't say that. So I would just have to be like... Yeah, I was mean to my mom or something, which was also probably true, but I wasn't sorry. <laughs> That's a classic one. I've been, I was mean to my parents when I took the Lord's name in vain. <laughs> That's my favorite thing to do. Take the Lord's name in vain. Wait, Those so were classic. What, what were our parents talking about? What are our dads talking about? They had the conversation with the tone like, like oh this is so cute (laughs) classic and and I overheard that and I felt like really guilty for overhearing it because I mean your dad shouldn't have overheard it in the first place (laughs) yeah but just some context Kate my dad like so my parents sent me to Catholic school, but they both had different reasons for wanting to send me to Catholic school. It was really important to my mom's side of the family because she grew up in a really Catholic household, went to Catholic school. My dad did not have that same upbringing, but in college, mm. he had a lot of close friends who did grow up in Catholic school and he was always so jealous of the friendships that they had because they would have friends from like middle school, elementary school that they were still so close with. And he's like, I wish I had that. Like I did not have that. So he wanted it for us. But then once we're in Catholic school, 
my mom is like she would like go to church because it was important to my grandparents but my dad never believed in it so like I would we would learn things in religion and like in mass and then I would go home and my dad would be like it's bullshit so like I was having like contradictions and that's probably why my dad was like listening because he's like who cares like this is a charade (laughs) and a waste of time and haha like she confessed to something really bad so like that's funny that's so funny I feel like that's really common that people really envy like the community that catholic school brings and the catholic church like i remember in high school being like are you gonna raise your kids catholic with all my friends and someone was like well yeah because people show up for you like if someone dies everyone goes to the funeral like everybody supports you (laughs) like it's community but i'm like you can literally find community in other ways yeah (laughs) we're quickly learning that that exists elsewhere yeah Right, and it's, like, were the good things you got out of it worth all of the bad things? Like, in my case, I'm a hard no. (laughs) Yeah. I agree. So, Kate, weren't you saying that you remembered that priest mentioned that people might want to confess to masturbating? Oh, my God, yeah. So, this priest was, he was horrible. His name is Brother Combs. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He was my sophomore year religion teacher, so you knew of him. He was batshit crazy. He was so... I remember he would show us the most insane things. Like, I remember... This was the class that, like, radicalized me. Because the day after the Sandy Hook shooting happened, he was like, that's really sad, but babies die from abortion every day. Wow. And I remember being like, um, I think those are two different things. He said the most horrible things. This one girl, he was saying that IVF is a sin because it's not made from God. And there was a girl in the class that was like, I was an IVF baby. And he was like, well, you were made from sin. (gasps) Yeah. Like, he made multiple people cry. Like, he was so homophobic. I remember this one girl was like, yeah, but my uncle's gay. And he's, like, adopted two babies that otherwise wouldn't have had homes. And he was like, well, that's nice, but he's still living in sin like said horrible things and then he would always challenge the boys to like push-up contests what grow up you weirdo (laughs) like go get a real job horrible horrible but i remember specifically we went to confession one day and we were all sitting in the balcony of the auditorium and i want to say it was like before easter or something and Basically, the way that they would set up confession at Fenwick was that you would go on the stage where the priests were sitting. (laughs) There would be, like, four priests on the stage with, like, a chair side by side. And there were no dividers or anything because there wasn't a church at the school. Like, in grammar school, you go to the actual church. But in high school, there was no church. So you would really have to whisper because there were other people doing confession at the same time. And... I remember always trying to choose what priest I went to, but you didn't really have a choice because there were some that were nicer than others. And, like, I would always try to go to Helen, if you know, Brother Greer. I would always try to go to him. Oh, yeah, he was nice. Yeah, or Father Joe, obviously. Um, But so everyone would sit up in the balcony and wait, and you would be there for, like, two hours. Like, I could have been learning at that time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and they would send you down like two at a time or something. You would wait the bottom portion. So I remember everybody was kind of chit chatting in the balcony 
And the priest brother, whatever the his fucking title was, was like, well, you guys should really think about what you're going to confess. And he like had everybody put their heads down and was like listing off various sins that you could have committed. And then he was like, boys, do you masturbate? Or I think he literally said, touch yourself. And I, <laughs> which is like, I hate those words. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> like, don't worry about it. And I remember feeling like so skeezy. And I feel like people laughed, like being like, what the fuck? but it was like only to the boys like it was like girls would never do that at that time in my life i didn't even know how to masturbate no i had no clue like i thought it was sticking your finger inside your vagina and i tried it a few times so it was like this doesn't really feel that good (laughs) yeah like what's all the hype about (laughs) yeah talk it talks about masturbation and at Fenwick it was very much taught that that's a sin and that you shouldn't do it yes which is awful and just like makes no sense like you're not supposed to touch part of your own body like how does that make any sense yeah but it actually did like work on me same at least like i just didn't pay any attention to my vagina (laughs) and then here we are and know nothing about our own bodies at 20 (laughs) years old no i was 100 the same way and i feel like i didn't even let myself have sexual thoughts like i feel like i just totally blocked it out except i do it's really funny that i didn't realize i was gay because i used to always think about the sex scene in black swan when oh, Neil Kunis and, and Natalie Portman hook up. And I used to be like, oh, that's like a kink to be in that. <laughs> but it was like, that was like the only sexual thought I think I ever even had in high school. Like, I just was so like, nothing, nothing gets into my brain or my body because it's a sin and it's dirty and horrible and you'll burn up or something were you involved with like the kind of like debaucherous side of Fenwick with like heavy drinking and stuff towards the end like senior year but it wasn't like my experience all of high school so because I transferred in as a junior in some ways I enjoyed transferring as a junior because I kind of got to miss all the freshman and sophomore year drama Mm -hmm. and I kind of had a clean slate for, like, what people thought about me and stuff. But because I was so excited about being in a new place, and then all of a sudden everybody was partying and drinking so hard, right when I got there as a junior, there were so many more parties and so many, like, rich people that lived in mansions whose parents would buy them alcohol and let them drink, which now I've learned, like, that is like a tactic that sexual abusers use like buying underage kids alcohol so I really have to wonder like how much of that was happening just with like creepy parents oh ew that like actually makes me so sick to think about and like if you think back about like the types of parents that were allowing that like there was definitely really weird stuff going on yeah yeah I feel like there was such a culture there of people yeah, like, their parents wanting to be in on their friends of being, like... Ew. Yeah. I remember I had this one friend, and her mom was, like, obsessed with the fact that none of us had boyfriends and, like, thought we were all so weird that we didn't have boyfriends and was, like, always comparing her to her older sister who was very much, like, went and 
went and partied and drank every weekend and was hanging out with boys. And we were all just kind of chill and quiet and would do wholesome activities on the weekends. Like as a parent, like why would you not just be supportive of that? Like the weird thing to me about Fenwick parents was like, so many of them were so okay with their underage kids drinking alcohol, but nobody was okay with any teenagers having any type of sexual activity. And it's like, you don't get to have a bunch of teenagers be wasted and for sexual activity not to happen. So it it also, it just kind of became like a breeding ground for sexual assault because then people there's so much sexual shame that they can't speak out about it. Plus maybe they feel bad because they were drinking underage and participating in something illegal. And there's just like no protection for like mainly the women, but definitely some, some guys as well too. Wait, did you ever have John Quinn as a teacher? No, I never had him as a teacher. I obviously know all of the lore of John Quinn. I remember he substituted a class for a few weeks of mine. He was like one of those weirdos that a big thing at Fenwick is like legacy. So I had two older brothers that both went to Fenwick. So when people that had taught there for a long time would see my last name, they would instantly remember my brothers. And I remember him knowing both of my brothers. And that was like the only interaction I ever had with him. But I remember always being like that guy is a fucking weirdo because he would like rough house with the boys i remember you could hear him screaming the n-word at students for yeah you could hear him screaming from other classes to the point where teachers would have to like close their doors because he would be screaming at his class so loud and it's like what kind of power did he have at that school that no one another adult didn't think to be like I should do something about this. Is he another one that that was his first job? Straight out probably. of college? Possibly. He went, he went to Fenwick. Yeah. So probably. Um, Kate, did you ever witness any like physical violence at Fenwick? I don't think I did. I, I just remember seeing a lot of male teachers get so like red in the face screaming close to like a boy's face because a problem with the fact that so many of those teachers it was their first job out of college is that when they first started teaching there like they were allowed to hit students like that was part of their job was hitting children so I feel like it was a tough transition for them to get it out of them and yeah, it's like so many teachers would be screaming until they were red in the face and like spitting on you. But I don't think I ever witnessed like true, like actual someone hitting someone. Did you? Um, not at Fenwick. I did at our grade school, um, which was rare, but it did happen. When I was in high school, the time I came the closest to reporting John Quinn, the reason I decided not to was because all of a sudden he got suspended from the school for the rest of the year for slapping someone across the face. Yes. And so, like, I remember, like, I knew that person. Um, It was kind of funny because we had kind of become frenemies because he had dated my friend and then they broke up, so then none of us were on good terms. But 
even that was part of my like witness contact information to give to the Oak Park police because they went, they called him, I guess, and were seeing if the timelines matched up from like that I thought about reporting happened and then deciding not to because he was suspended for that. So I just assumed that he would be fired. And since I went to high school, I mean, went to college and never really looked back. I didn't even think about Fenwick for so long. But then when um, the summer of 2020 happened and people were sharing bad and a lot of racist experiences from Fenwick, I kept seeing John Quinn's name again. And I was like, whoa, like he's still there. And then I just got super worried about it as like a concerned adult who had worked Mm -hmm. in schools and just realized that none of that should have ever happened. And realized how damaging it was for me to think it was normal for men to treat me that way and it played a big role in like even grooming me for worse situations later on because I would just kind of like disassociate if men were being creepy to me um so someone actually told me they were like I thought that the whole time we were at Fenwick I thought you guys were related because you have the same last name and because of like how he was acting towards you. And I was like, ew, you know, that doesn't surprise me that you thought we were related, but we're not related. And I actually didn't even have him as a teacher. Like he was just acting that way. Oh God. I think I remember and this might have literally just been a rumor. Like, I don't know if any of these memories are true, but I think he was suspended before the incident for him slapping someone because of an inappropriate relationship with another female student. It could have been um, Emma CV's situation. I know about her, but there's another one. Oh, wow. I won't name her, but, but I remember. Oh, wow. I feel like it was early on, like my freshman or sophomore year, something happening. But I might have totally been imagining that and just got them all conflated well i completely believe it like there's no way that emma and i were like the first people to complain about him like there had to be so many more and people did write into me and were like yeah we complained about him too like years prior and then even after me so i guess they i'm glad i just decided to put everything out in the open because nothing was ever going to change. I think so many people tried to go through that internal investigation process. And I'm so glad I just got freaked out by it and was like, this is not it. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll post a video on YouTube if I have to. Yeah. Well, I actually was just curious, like what even is the process of reporting something at Fenwick? Because, and I'm curious if it's the same way at Trinity, but there's no like school social worker, There's only four guidance counselors. So who do you even report something like that to? Yeah, their internal reporting process is like fake. It's there really isn't one. Um, I reported it to the police first because I looked at the law and was like, (laughs) I think I need to go and file a police report. And then the police did an investigation. I think they did a, a good job. They spoke to state's attorneys and the state's attorneys determined that it wasn't sexual abuse because he didn't touch my private parts. So 
for sexual abuse, it has to be either touching like your genitals, your butt, or your breasts. And he didn't touch those parts. He just grabbed me and then was saying creepy things. Um, which like that should be sexual abuse under the law, but it's not right now. And so they determined that that would con- consist of battery and the statute of limitations I think was seven years and I reported this 10 years later. Even if you were a minor? Yeah. They, but the police really like reassured me. They were like, this wasn't for nothing. Like if, if another complaint comes in about him, like we know we can call you. So like in an ideal world, like maybe I would testify against him in like a criminal trial one day if someone else pressed a a charge. Um, but so then after I got that news from the police and I said, okay, I'm gonna let the school know. I'm and the police kind of urged me to do that. They were like, you should at least try. Um, and I think that was good advice to just cover all my bases. It'd be like, I did everything I needed to do. Actually, when I first reported him at the police station, under law, they had to call Fenwick right away and they had to call DCFS and he had to be removed from the school physically. So from the time I filed the police report, which was, I think it was about two years ago, actually. Yeah, because I was like 30 days sober when I did this because I just like was dealing with all of my problems. So it was like, I can't just like let this slip by without me at least trying um so two years ago in the fall they had to Fenwick had to remove him from the classroom and he was teaching over zoom every day for like the whole well until the case was closed and then they brought him in and then many months later in the spring I posted my video because I just realized that Fenwick had no process they had like several lawyers reach out to me and they were like Fenwick alums and they were just like macho men who were very diminishing. And I tried to work with them in the beginning and then I was just like, no, this isn't fair. Um, Wait, so he didn't actually get suspended. He was teaching via Zoom. So they were probably still paying him and okay. He just couldn't physically be at school. I don't think I knew that. That's horrible. Yeah, I actually don't think I ever talked about that in my videos, which is just, like, there were so many little details. There was, like, no way to cover all of them. But it is really interesting because, like, people in the building had to know something was up from, like, the beginning of that school year. Yeah. That's that's truly just, like, that's not a suspension at all. It's like being out sick with COVID. Like, it's yeah. it's so stupid. But that's like oh, another... No. Sorry. My cat <laughs> gave me a little bite. That's like a perfect example of the Catholic Church, like, dealing with things internally. Like, it, it reminds me of when there's a situation with a priest where they are clearly abusing children or other people and their form of punishment is just being moved to a different parish like it's just like really not different yeah well that was that priest i talked about with the confession thing there were so many complaints against him that he got transferred to somewhere in like missouri the next year 
But of course, he didn't. Lo- he didn't lose his job. He got transferred to somewhere where he would fit in a little bit more. Wow, that's so disturbing. Okay, so let's talk about Kairos a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just gonna sit back and listen because I, I'm buckling my seatbelt. So was Ky- Kairos was optional at Trinity? Yes. Okay. I think it was optional at almost every high school except for Fenwick where it was a mandatory graduation requirement. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Kairos was a religious retreat. That's like a weekend at a retreat house. Oh my God, I actually got a Facebook ad for the retreat house, (gasps) Bellarmine. Oh my God. (laughs) And I like looked at the photos and stuff. Um, I mean, it is like a pretty place, but it's weird. Um, You know, actually when St. Ignatius goes they do silent meals that's horrible (laughs) so you can't talk during the meals which is like a catholic thing but luckily we didn't do that um so yeah you take a school bus with like a group of your classmates to bellarmine this (laughs) catholic retreat house you stay in like a little tiny room um with like a crucifix above the bed (laughs) Yeah, and, like, just, like, the bare necessities, it it kind of feels like a convent if you've never, if you've ever been in a convent. It probably used to be one or something. Yes. Yeah, but they're really small. They're, like, cells. Yeah. I actually had to share, so I had my own room because there's a portion where you go to your room by yourself and you, like, read all these letters that people in your life have written to you. Um, but for sleeping, I had to share a room with my friend because she had epilepsy and so she couldn't sleep alone in case she had a seizure. So I had to share a room with her on Kairos, but like we had our own rooms for when we read the letters, but it was actually really comforting to like not be sleeping alone in that scary ass room. Yeah. Especially because they like sleep deprive you. It's very manipulative. So they you don't get very much sleep and from the crack of dawn in the morning until late at night you're doing like religious activities and like indoctrination processes yeah it's it's really crazy it's interesting now I feel like I've talked so much about my girlfriend but um I'm just in love (laughs) but she's like also I feel like has come to terms so much with like her um relationship with religion and like I said, like she grew up in this like charismatic church and I feel like Kairos is the closest thing you ever get to like Jesus camp where, cause it's like with her, when I talk about Kairos, she's like, oh, that sounds like a church lock-in. Like we did that every weekend where it's like, but with them, it, it still was more fun. It's like you would play games and you would bring friends and it was very much like, and now God loves you and we're going to baptize you at the end. So it's like Catholicism's version of that, but still with all of the scariness and darkness and heaviness of Catholicism and the like coercion, like you have to, essentially you are there to like share your trauma with everybody. Like it starts day one with a teacher. So the teachers come on the retreat and they give speeches and it starts day one with a teacher giving what they call the life graph speech where they like draw a graph of all the ups and downs in their life and share it with you. And then they're like, does anybody have anything to say? And like have an open (laughs) mic. (laughs) Okay. And I just want to interject to say, 
it was teachers or like priests and yes. brothers, you know, because Fenwick Friars, there's a bunch of brothers too, which are like monks. Um, yeah. <laughs> this first talk that Kate mentioned is really like trauma dumping. Like, mm-hmm. I was just thinking if I were to give that talk to a group of teenagers, that would be like scary for them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was like people. Teachers would share about, like, you know, domestic violence, alcoholism, a lot of these problems that, like, really, like, plague the Catholic, Irish Catholic, dare I say, community. Then students would share, too, like, yeah, my dad beats my mom and, like, beats all of us. Like, stuff like that. Yes. And so I had secrets back then. But I was not able to, like, talk about them. And, like, I couldn't even really articulate a lot of them. But there was one secret I felt like I really had that was, like, that I had attempted suicide when I was a freshman in high school. But I never got up the courage to, like, go up and share about that. And at the time, I felt kind of guilty because, like, I felt like other people were sharing stuff that was that intense. But looking back, I'm so glad I didn't because Simply, I just wasn't ready to, and not with that group of people. Yeah. Um, I did break down on, like, I want to call it, like, the playground. Because remember, they would let you outside, like, once. Yeah, there was, like, <laughs> mandatory outside time where you would, like, have to get fresh air. I did, like, break down just sobbing, which I, like, never break down and cry. It, like, rarely happens. Oh, my God. <laughs> because I'm just, like, always, like, disassociated. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, and I shared that with And then, honestly, I think that's what set the ground for us to be, like, bonded as friends when, really, we had, like, nothing in common and, like, she was constantly offending me by just, like, being problematic. Um, Well, that's the whole, like, that's the whole plan is that you go with all of your peers and you become trauma bonded because you tell them all of your secrets. And then it, the whole, the whole point, too, is that it's all, like, confidential, right? It's, like, everything stays in this room. But, of course, the second everyone gets back, it's, like, oh yeah, this person said that they're gay and they can't tell their family. This person said they tried to kill themselves. This person like said their dad's a really bad alcoholic. Like it's like everybody instantly gets back and shares every piece of information that was told. Yes. And it's none of it is confidential, but you feel like so bonded with all these people because you get like three hours of sleep every night. So you, of course, have a fucking breakdown and cry. And then they think they're successful. They're like, it worked. We got through. It's like, no, I literally just like am shutting down. Like I'm breaking down. (laughs) Well, I think I told you, Helen, that the weirdest part was that the last day so you're always in this like big room where people give speeches and it's everybody and then you break off into like small groups and that's your kairos family quote kairos family and that's when everyone's like i was kai high with my kairos family blah 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 you have like parents it's so f- it's all so fucking weird it's parents. like the parents yes you call them your group leaders is always a boy and a girl and you call them your kairos parents and they're like your age yes they're your age they're peers and people will actually call them mom and dad (laughs) yes 
Alright, no. I feel like TLC is, like, missing out on, like, making an entire show about Kairos. You know what's so funny is my Kairos mom is also a lesbian now. Love that. And one person for- and one person for my group. Nice. Too bad that never came up in Kairos. (laughs) That none of us came out on Kairos. No, it's so insane. But so on the last day, I remember in my small group, they literally blindfolded all of us and everyone individually had to like touch you and say something that they learned about you. So it would be like you would put your hand on my shoulder and be like, Kate, I learned that you're so strong and like all this like fucking bullshit. (laughs) Like you didn't actually learn anything about me because all we did was like trauma dump. It was so horrible. I remember, like, small group, everybody instantly crying because the first person to share their, like, life graph, his dad had died the year before. And so, of course, he was, like, that was the worst part of my life thus far. And so then everybody was sobbing. And it's, like, it was just so... It's, like... (laughs) like, If I were him, I'd be, like, thanks, but, like, he's my dad, so... (laughs) It's, like, why, yeah, it's, like, it's so, it's, like, I had never talked to this person before, and it's, like, that's why it's emotional. It's, like, I don't even know you. It's, like, I'm watching this, like, weird movie of your life, and it's, like, I never even had classes with you, so we could have just kept living life without ever having to share our traumas with each other, and now I have never, I've not seen him since high school graduation. Right. Like, it's just all so bizarre. Another thing they do is that your parents, well, one of your parents will write you a letter that's meant to be le- read out loud in front of everybody. And I was the first person to go. <gasps> so, no. like, you don't really know what's happening. Like, they were just yeah like, they don't preface it they just start like a teacher will just come stand in front of you with the letter and yeah. start reading it yeah they don't and tell everyone's you what's going listening? on everyone's it's in front of i mean there's probably like 40 people that go on every kairos right i was so embarrassed <laughs> because also my dad signed the letter poppy <laughs> My dad would probably take that as a personal challenge to just embarrass the hell out of me. <laughs> My mom wrote, like, a poem. It was so... I was, like... It was horrible. And then I remember... <laughs> so after that, you go back to your room and you have this huge envelope of letters from, like... Honestly, people I didn't even fucking know that well that had just been on Kairos before. It's, like, the thing to do. If you know someone that's going on Kairos, you write them a letter. And you're like, I hope you're Kai high and having the best experience ever. Like, you're going to feel so (laughs) bonded to your classmates now. And I remember my brother was like, Kairos is corny as fuck. But you should just enjoy it for what it is while you're there. And he was like, I really hope that they read mom's letter out loud because at mine they read dad's and it was really embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) And then by the very end of it, you're so exhausted. Like you can't even believe. And 
you get back to Fenwick, and then in the basement, all of your parents are there waiting for you, and then you're expected, every single person is expected to go up to the podium and, like, make a speech. Yes. Oh, my God. That sounds absolutely, like, excruciating. Like, just let me go home and sleep. And also, not just parents are there, but, like, friends. I remember going to my friend's Kairos closing ceremonies. Me too. To, like, welcome them home or whatever. As if they went off to fucking war. (laughs) Talk about, like, just a colossal waste of time. Like, so much wasted time in Catholic school. Oh my god, and do you know what's so awkward? It's like, so, so Mr. Groom went on my Kairos, and him and I actually, like, bonded like for real not in like a superficial way like not in like a profound way just as like I was like oh wow he's kind of intimidating during the school day but he's really nice and normal right now and like I kind of saw him as like like a fatherly figure not that we were like that close but we got to know each other and then like afterwards he would say hi to me by name in the hall And that's the person I had to, like, report John Quinn to, like, when I sent that email being, like, I reported John Quinn to the police. And so, like, there's, like, an added layer of, like, intensity with that because I know he liked me as a student. Like, he knew that I was, like, a good student, like, a kind person in the community. And... I just wonder how much it impacted him, like, actually having that, like, prior friendship type of thing with me, because he did end up, like, stepping down from principal at the end of that year, and now he's just a teacher. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, he stepped down. Who's the current principal? Some real, some guy who's just nobody's impressed with. Interesting. Yeah, there was, like, a Wednesday Journal article about it, I think, when he stepped down, because it really did seem like it was because of me. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's such, like, a... I think a big part of Fenwick is that it's, like, this... It really does almost feel like a cult. I actually just showed my girlfriend... I remember, like, a year after I graduated, they made this insane promotional video where there's, like, drone footage of the school. Have you seen that? Do you remember that video? Yeah. I just showed it to my girlfriend. She was like, what the fuck? And I was like, no, it's truly, like, indoctrination. Like, if you saw that, you'd be like, I'm going there. And it's like, yeah, if you send your kids there, you're like, yeah, I'm giving them money. And I feel like it's just this, like, unit. And I feel like the the faculty and the staff all look out for each other. But, yeah, when you go on a retreat and you hear all these teenagers pouring their hearts out and sharing their trauma it's like you feel it you have to feel as an adult the instinct to protect them like you have to you just you have to feel that and I and I remember they say at the beginning that if you share anything that is illegal we have to report it like they say like you know if, if you share anything that like abuse anything like that they have to report it at the end of the retreat like they they specify that up front i don't know how much of that is actually true but but like report it to who because what if someone was bringing up something about john quinn 
then it's like, okay, is this a case-by-case basis, or are you actually acting as mandated reporters? It's the most insane. It's just, it, and they tell you the whole time you're on God's time. You have no idea what time it is. (gasps) You have no access to, like, you can't bring, like, a book to read before bed. Like, you don't have any access to the outside world. Not that you would even want to read before bed, because you get, like, I don't even know how much sleep you get. Probably, like, three hours. And the, the leaders do not sleep at all. Like, they stay up all night plant, planning stuff for the next day. I don't even know what the fuck they do. Well, and then the big thing is that the rumor beforehand is that there's, like, a naked mass. Like, everybody's like, oh, the oh. naked mass. And you're <laughs> like, okay, is that going to be real or not? Like, you actually don't know. And then the end of the mass is just, like, you you burn something that you're trying to let go of, which is, like, so... (laughs) It's just... It's, like, you... I feel like you just don't know... Like, as a teenager, I didn't feel in touch enough with my life to let go of a resentment in that way. Like, I just... And it was at the end... Like, I just... It's it's not a retreat for teenagers. (laughs) No. At all. It's, like, really, like, heavy-duty indoctrination because every you're eat breathing and sleeping god and jesus we had a similar thing but it wasn't religious it was called snowball and just the exact same concept except just take away all the religious aspects but like trauma dumping there are leaders like you share things that are just so heavy and you write each other letters and you say you're going to be friends forever and then it's just it's this weird moment in time where you were all just like really emotionally raw and I think like the only Kairos and Snowball and any other form that that takes like they're just like missing the point of what they're actually trying to achieve because it's like as adults the takeaway now is that like I'm realizing that, like, we all have shit going on. And, like, you're saying, like, now if something feels weird between you and another person, you're like, this person doesn't owe me an explanation. I know that everybody has shit going on in their lives that can impact X, Y, and Z. But Kairos and Snowball is run by people that are so underqualified for that type of work. (laughs) And it translates into, like not getting their point across it's like if you really want to teach teenagers that like they're not all that different and that we're really quite similar and some of us are going through things that the rest of us don't even know about there's just a completely different way to get that across and it's not piling kids into a convent and sleep depriving them and not feeding them and letting them go outside for 20 minutes a day and having them share the most insane things it's just it's not gonna it's not gonna do what you think it's gonna do because they're com- they're not thinking about the fact that it's like after those 48 hours what do you do with that there should be follow-ups if you're gonna if you're gonna put kids through that who already their brains haven't fully developed and can't think straight like what are you gonna do with all of that information yeah i would love to talk to someone now that like did come out on kairos because it's like what was your thought process and like yeah what it's 
like it's the least safe place to be a gay person is a catholic high school (laughs) yes and it's like people that went in like october and came out it's like what was the rest of your high school experience like even with those teachers because those teachers were not safe people yeah yeah and i mean oh go ahead did anybody come out on kairos in either of your years one two people did but i was not on them okay like it, it was different months than the one that i went do you know what their experiences were like in school and within the Fenwick community after that? I have no idea. I remember it was two people that everyone was kind of like, yeah, we know. And I've, I never have heard of a girl coming out on Kairos. It's only men because girls are not sexual beings in Catholic school. And are, I, th- I think being a lesbian is far harder and worse than being a gay man in Catholicism. Because there's like, you know, at least the stereotype that you're fun when you're a gay man. <laughs> like, I think people are at least like, oh, fun. Oh, just so many modern day priests. It's like an unspoken agreement in the church community that, oh, yeah, this is a gay man who just became a priest. What a great example. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, they, I, I think it's like with people like that, it was like almost obvious that I, I don't know what their experience was like after, but I am, it's like, yeah, there's so many male peers that were unsafe, male teachers that were unsafe. Like, I just can't imagine choosing to subject myself to that. And I'm, I, I wish I could reach out to someone, but I, I'm not close enough with those people that did come out to ask them but I would love to reach out to them and ask what their experience was like afterwards like the reception of it because I remember one person being like but I could never tell my family and it's like well you just told a room of 40 people plus a bunch of teachers yeah teenagers aren't smart enough to be able to make the decision to share those types of things like they're not thinking about the consequences yeah, because you're just, you're there and you're like, oh, this is electric. Like, I got to get up there and and share because everyone else is. You feel called by God or whatever the fuck. Right. That's exactly why I'm so glad I didn't really share a lot is because I wouldn't have been able to do my story justice. Like, the people there didn't deserve to know that in in a way where I was, like, being forced to share it. So... Yeah. It was one of those things where in the moment I felt like, oh God, like I'm different for not sharing. And now as I'm older, I'm like, I'm glad I sat out for this one. Because I definitely participated in a lot of stuff that looking back, it just was wrong or not my true intention. Like a lot of times I would like regurgitate religious things like about Jesus or something just to make people happy and it never really felt right coming out and looking back I just cringe because I'm like I didn't mean that wait like Um, what can you like in what like context or circumstance well definitely like a lot but like even on ASP like the god Mm -hmm. moments and stuff um like a lot of times I was just if I tied what I was saying back to religion or back to Jesus it was just to like make older people happy yeah yeah and it's sad that like you can't just have like 
a really grateful moment in a setting like ASP without tying it back to something with God and religion because it's like you can have these moments where like you're really grateful for an experience and it doesn't have to do anything with a big man in the sky (laughs) yeah they they bring they always bring it back to to the story of God and Jesus and Mary and everyone the the whole cast and crew of the Bible (laughs) which if you think about it like the whole story of like Jesus and being born of a virgin and being the son of God that's like the greatest marketing campaign of all time because like they dead ass got people to just believe and look we're still talking about it yeah it's like a joke that went too far yes yeah (laughs) no sunny sorry my cat is being so annoying (laughs) (laughs) He wants to be on the pod. No, I think, too, like, it's, again, a difference with, like, Christianity and Catholicism. Like, you guys recently were talking about, on a different episode, how Catholics love to suffer. And it's, like, that's what is so different is that I feel like tying something back to God and being, like... I mean, because even with religion, like, recently I've been more inclined I think a lot of it is because my girlfriend because she's like pray for me like whatever (laughs) like I'm like this fucking cat was God at work like I found him (laughs) on the street and he's perfect even though he got shit in his cone today um so I'm like now I I see it so differently but when you're Catholic it's like religion's all about suffering and it's like that's almost what Kairos is it's like you suffer you don't sleep like, you don't really get to enjoy anything. It's, like, you're here to, like, hear about everyone's pain. And I'm sure that's, like, a lot of what ASP is. It's, like, you're here building a house and doing manual labor because Jesus suffered. And now, like, we're suffering to give people good. Like, that's the messaging. It's not just, like, we're doing good because, like, that's what God wants us to do. Yeah, we always just have to suffer. And it's really hard to kind of, like, break out of that. Like, just feeling guilty about, like, relaxing, having pleasurable experiences. Like, things that are pleasurable aren't bad, but we were raised to believe that they were. Everything good is bad. It's like, that's what confession is. Mm -hmm. Everything fun in life is a sin. (laughs) Saying God, be mean to your mom. (laughs) not saying thank you when your parents give you a gift (laughs) but then like the biggest contradiction is that like alcohol is such a prevalent part of like the catholic experience too Mm -hmm. and it's like so it really just kind of shows the hypocrisy because it's like oh well just because you guys all like this then you're gonna make it okay but it's actually kind of dangerous yeah that's so i had never actually thought of that until you brought it up today that it's like yeah drinking culture is so prevalent in the irish catholic community and it's like yeah as an adult when you're drinking alcohol like something that is bad in the eyes of catholicism is always going to happen like you're going to do more than drink or you're going to have sex or you're going to do like something it's like that is what alcohol is intended to do and it is such a part of the culture and especially with high schoolers it's like what do they fucking expect from these people to happen 
And I do feel like it's, like, almost, like, this weird sterile drinking culture, which is, like, why there's so much, like, anger with people. And it's, yeah. I had actually never thought of that until today. I've just, like, always been really confused about it. Because it's, like, the, it, it really is the belief that sex is worse than alcohol. Yeah. And that's scientifically like that's just not true like (laughs) sex is normal and healthy and alcohol is a neurotoxin yeah well it's so damaging (laughs) to like a young developing body too and like a young developing brain and i was talking to my sister and her boyfriend about this a few weeks ago where like remember in high school and even kind of in college when it was like so cool to get the most fucked up and like even get like really sick the next day from it and like if that if that happens to us at our age now we're like fully developed and more equipped to handle that and it's like it might affect us for a whole day but it's like okay lesson learned but when you're consistently doing that every weekend it's like you're exposing your liver to really damaging substances in large quantities you're like growing up getting sick getting really dehydrated like headaches and to like an a body that's in the stages of like trying to develop fully it's just crazy to think about that now knowing what we know now as adults in high school high school is when i got addicted to alcohol so i would black out like almost every weekend come home throw up all over my house like traumatize my family And then the next morning I would go to church with them and I would just be so hungover, but also so like scared because I'd wake up, you know, in my own throw up, not knowing what happened, how I got home, if I'd had sex with someone. And so I would just be like in church bawling my eyes out because I, I wasn't always in church like the next day, but like regardless, I'd be crying the next day because I didn't know what happened but I would sometimes be at church having this where I would like leave, <laughs> be like walking the streets of Oak Park, just like bawling. And I just couldn't articulate why I felt so bad about it. And everybody around me was just used to that type of behavior. So nobody really thought it was like that serious. It was just like, yeah, this is like a coming of age, like learning curve. And it was like, it was something I never figured out. <laughs> oh so, my God. Did you ever take health class at Fenwick? No, I took it before I transferred. Okay. So another Catholic school thing is that you only have to take one semester of health class and one semester of a gym class. <laughs> and I remember in my health class, we literally only, the only sex education was about STDs and I think they named like two STDs and were like, you could potentially get these and they're really bad. So don't have sex. And then almost no mention of alcohol. It was like the entire class was about drugs and like, don't do drugs. But there's like no mention of the fact that everybody does drink, which is a major gateway to doing drugs, especially when you're a teenager. There's no... They would breathalyze us before high school dances, but, like, we never had that, like, drunk driving simulation like public schools have where they, like, simulate a car crash. Like, we never had anything like that. We never had any information on drunk driving, on if drinking was bad. They would breathalyze random people before dances. But I was never even, like, educated on the effects of alcohol as a teenager. I was just given effects of drugs, 
and that drugs were really bad and evil and don't try them or do them. But I was not told to not drink. Like I was never, that was never a conversation with even my parents. Yeah. It was just expected that we would drink even as high schoolers. Yeah. It was just part of it. But it's like, why wouldn't there then also be that expectation where it's like, alcohol is taboo but we know you're gonna do it and it's like if sex is taboo do you also know we're also probably gonna do that like it makes me so sad too because such a big part of catholicism is like being so anti-abortion and that is like so ingrained in you like i remember the day in seventh grade sitting around and learning about abortion and everybody sat there and cried and like sobbed for an hour because our teacher was telling fucking horror stories you abortion can't happen period but also you're not giving any of these kids any tools to either not have sex or safely do it like it was never a conversation with like any adult in my life about having sex ever no have you ever brought that up to not a can of worms i'm willing to open with them okay yeah (laughs) Some things are just not worth it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I feel like I've just moved on from having to educate them. Like, I'm like, we're, I'm the last of their kids. I don't need to rehash anything. <laughs> I live in LA and have a girlfriend now, so, and they're fine with that. So I'm like, we don't have to rehash. At least they're not giant homophobes or anything. Um, wait, that actually, I thought of something when we were talking about them randomly breathalyzing you guys at school dances and Helen and I did talk about this on either a past episode or maybe a past zoom at Fenwick could not bring someone of the same sex as a date to the dances I don't think so no yeah even I if I couldn't get a date to a dance I wouldn't go like no one even went to dances alone oh really yeah yeah like at all yeah no okay no if if a girl did not get asked by a guy, she wouldn't go, which is so sad. Yeah. I never went to a dance with a date in high school, ever. Right. But I did go to a few of them because I just wanted to see what all the hype was about. <laughs> <laughs> but that is really unfortunate. I always brought gay guys to dances. I was always a hag. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, actually, I think my sophomore year, like a big group of girls went to homecoming without dates. But otherwise, it was like, no, I'm not I'm not going if I don't have a date type thing. Like, definitely, it's, it's more fine, like freshman, sophomore year. But once you get older, like junior and senior year, it's like you don't go to a dance if you don't have a date. Yeah. God, that's so depressing. It's very degrading. And it's like, honestly, the need for like male approval is like, it's life or death almost like it's survival it's safety seriously it's it was so interesting that you said earlier that the things that you learned about like yeah basically serving men and being a wife like are the things that you resent because I think that was something I really rejected for a long time but now that I'm out and I date women it's like something that I enjoy doing now like it's like almost a joke that I like fall into gender roles with my girlfriend but I think if I were dating men, I would feel really angry about it. It doesn't feel good. 
it's just so different. Like it, it's it's like servitude rather than like choosing it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's rough out here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I am in like the most intense anti man era that Me I too. don't see mm-hmm. like changing anytime soon. Yeah, Ailish too, and then our one other friend. Like, we do not know if we could ever be with a man again. Period. I seriously don't. And people ask me a lot, like, oh, like, when are you going to get back on the apps? Like, are you back on the apps? And it's like, I do have them. I don't check them. I don't have notifications on for them. I intentionally try to forget about them because it's like from the perspective of like being open to meeting new people. Yes, I do think I should be doing that because I'm someone who gets really easily comfortable just like keeping my circle small and like not branching out or like spending time alone. I find men so excruciating and annoying to be around and I feel like I get so much of so much out of even just like female friendships and like I've noticed myself just not even wanting to be around men. I should probably like be in therapy to address some of that, but it's like I feel like I have a good relationship with my dad, so that's probably not it. I don't really know where it's coming from. I just find them so exhausting and like have no interest in like inviting that in yeah no they're horrible they're horrible they're horrible (laughs) i feel like even like right now i'm at this weird point in my life where i like randomly have a lot of like straight girlfriends and i literally it's like pulling teeth to have to like go to a bar with them where they're like trying to meet guys like we we don't do that we (laughs) don't do that at all like we went out last weekend and we went to this bar and it was literally all straight people and me and my girlfriend were in such a bad mood like we were like we have to leave (laughs) yeah like i'm sorry i can't be here anymore i literally couldn't i was like i i literally can't be here anymore like this is not a safe space i hate these men i hate having to like see my friends perform for men Like, I feel like it's almost, like, triggering for me, where it's, like, seeing people gay date is not like that in any way, but seeing, like, my girlfriends, like, just the way, the way that straight people interact is so different. It's, like, such a performance between two people. It's, like, that photo of the guy yelling at the girl in the club, like, that, (laughs) that one meme. (laughs) I know exactly which one you're talking about. It's, like, that is literally what it's like to witness it at all times, that it's almost, like, triggering to be around. Well, but it's, like, I feel like I have even caught myself doing it occasionally when I, like, modify certain parts of how I would typically communicate with someone when I'm communicating with a woman versus a man. No sexual yeah. attraction involved. But, like, yeah. I do notice that I switch up certain things to kind of, like, I'm just anticipating things going a lot better if I say this over this or if I approach a situation this way versus another and to an extent like maybe that's a strength but it's also sad that my brain has to work overtime to think about that when I know that if I were communicating with a woman it would be just so much easier and I wouldn't be thinking because I just know that women are smarter yes (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, no. Ailish and I get really intense, like, just talking about how <laughs> bad men are, like, to the point where we're, like, nobody can hear these conversations. No, like, they're gets, too derogatory. Yeah, it gets, like, so unprofessional. And, like, sometimes, like, I have, like, female friends at work that, like, know that about me, so I'll, like, talk like that. But then sometimes, like, a man will be, like, present, and they know that I feel that way, but it's, like very shocking to them and it's just like I am so sick of like operating within their like realm of comfort where it's like if I have to be seen as fucking crazy I really don't care because it's like they're in my way yeah well I feel like I feel like that's been like a natural instinct in me since I was a teenager like since I was at Fenwick like there's one teacher in particular so we had like this very strange back and forth between us where it was like I was so like direct and like cold with him in a way that I would never be with another person but I think it was because he was like a man with authority in my life and that's always been my like knee-jerk reaction to any man that I have to deal with and actually recently my brother kind of called me out and was like I feel like you're mean to me because I'm a man and it's like I don't I feel like I'm not even conscious of it but it's like my life is just like centered around women at this point in my life like as a lesbian like I'm like women come first and then gay men and then straight men at the bottom (laughs) like it's just like I just communicate better with people that operate differently than most straight men I know and have to deal with at least in my personal life we feel the exact same way but we're both straight so it's awful (laughs) it's awful because we have a real dilemma um no I I completely agree with everything you just said. No, it was so nice talking to you because yeah. it's you're so relatable, but you have a slightly different perspective. And so we're we're so grateful. Thank you. No, thank yeah. you. This was so fun. I feel like I it's it's nice to like commiserate in a way. Not not that this is necessarily commiserating, but I think because I feel so removed, like it I don't it's like I think of all these things often and it's like no one else in my everyday life has experienced any of this. This was so fun to talk to you guys. I loved every minute. 